Yo, yo, what it is, welcome to another edition of the Album Nerds Podcast, music fans, I am your co-host Andy, joined here, as always, by my fearless cohort, Deuterino number one. Don't start this. <laughs> Don't dude. do this. Just, just one this time. One little good lord nickname for you. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you, man? Oh, lovely, lovely. You know, I don't know what it is about me, but me but uh, so I I was I was uh, playing a little Fortnite with my young nephew okay. yesterday, and he's like, "I've got a nickname for you," and I'm like, "Okay, what is it?" And he's like, "Dude." He doesn't know anything about this show. He doesn't know anything about any of that stuff. Oh, really? So, thank you very much, young man. You nailed it. <laughs> I guess there's just something about you that exudes, I, dude. I guess so. This is the Album Nerds Podcast. Yeah. So, we're talking about four albums this week, as always, two new releases and then two old dogs older albums that we still love to talk about so andy what what are we talking about today for our new releases we are talking about a i think it's a british heavy metal group by the name of urn yes is that how you say it yes that's how you say it it's urn okay (laughs) as well as a band people may know the black keys they have a new record out this year we're gonna touch base on that and uh, then we got some old dogs diving into a 80s record by Huey Lewis in the News and a blues record from the 60s from John Lee Hooker. So good variety, mm-hmm. as always. Oh, yeah. Variety is the spice of life. That's what they say. Yeah, I like saying any word is the spice of life. You can throw anything in there. It's it's fun. I I, I encourage all of you to go do that. Like you could say paprika is the spice of life, which is actually a spice. <laughs> or you could say album nerds podcast is the spice of life. There you go. I like Let's that. Let's get into it. Okay, so we're gonna kick it off with Urn from the album Serpent and Spirit. This track is called Desolate Heart. Get ready for some metal of every genre, every subgenre all at one time. So that was Earn Desolate Heart from the album Serpent and Spirit. Came out June 25th, 2021. And uh, they're a London three-piece metal thrash prog blend. There's metalcore, stoner, and thrash all over the place on this thing. Uh, Three people, Joe Nally on vocals and bass, Angus Nyira, Nira, and Rich Wiltshire 
This is, they had a debut EP, The Mountain of Gold, from 2018. This is their debut full-length album, 56 minutes and eight tracks. And uh, it's, I just, it's awesome. I mean, it's really, really good. It's surprisingly good. Yeah, well, this the genres that they're dabbling in here are like pretty much in my sweet spot. So this is like feeding candy to a baby here. Pretty hard to turn it down. You really shouldn't give candy to a baby, but they they would enjoy it though if you gave, if you, gave candy to a baby. <laughs> you should give them mashed bananas, but if you give them urn, it'll make them even happier. <laughs> no, this is pretty great. Uh, I was very impressed for a debut record. I think it's awesome. Really cool. Lots of styles that I like. I hear a lot of Mastodon in here, which is mm-hmm. super cool to kind of hear the Nothing legacy. Wrong with that. Yeah. And lots of other groups too, too. Lots of thrash that maybe Mastodon doesn't do as much anymore. So that's cool to hear that sound in there as well. And it's pretty ambitious. And each, each song is like six, eight minutes long. Yeah. They really shift around the genres a lot during that, those tracks and. I was impressed. I was impressed. Yeah, man. Uh, me too. You know, I, I guess I read some interviews and stuff, what I could find. And so the album has a loose, not a story exactly, but the, so the spirit is the human experience and the serpent is the evil that tricks your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So the album, the songs are about getting pulled apart and trying to find yourself within all that. I guess the lead singer went through some dark times so it's kind of good and evil throughout the album. Um, a person being pulled from light to dark, and the the t- the tracks titles can kind of tell you what the story is. You know, the Palace of Devil and Wolves, Memorial, Moon and Sky, Desolate Heart, Envy the Dead. I mean, Memorial, Sing Me to Rest, Tomb mm-hmm. So Frail. Uh, there was some dark stuff going on in in the writer's life, and they were struggling to find the light and thinking of death and and all of that at the same time. So you can hear that through the songs. I also read, he said that the lead singer, Joe, said that uh, if I can't find the lyrics yet online anywhere. I was disappointed because it feels like they're pulling at something larger here than just... Yes. Typical stuff. He said about the lyrics that it's kind of, it's structured like the movie Memento. Okay. They're, They're fragments and they're not, in order and you have to read the lyrics and then figure out the order and the story and put it together yourself. So maybe that's the truth. Maybe it's just like, here's the order they're supposed to be in. And then it was like, Oh, it sounds better if we put them in this order. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Might've been a production decision, but uh, well, it does sound good. Regardless of what they're saying, I think it, you get the sense of they have a lot to say and that they have a pretty varied vocal uh, oh my god, approach? it's one guy. One, one guy. guy. Really? One no. guy doing Really? Yes. Yes. They overlap him sometimes. It's one dude. Well from what I understand, he's the vocalist. Huh. So there's a clean song vocal which they use on a lot of the choruses in the record, and there's like a more metally growl, not like a cookie monster vocal, but a rougher vocal. Yes. And sometimes yeah, yeah they, that's that's like the edge, the, the edge of the scream that I like. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's right up there. Yeah, yes, right to the line. But that's right where I like it. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I've seen some videos of theirs and stuff. It shows the one dude doing all the singing. So ah, interesting. I really, I really thought like a couple of the songs. It was uh it was Brent Hines from Mastodon, like 
because his vocal is so similar to the vocal that that Brent uses on some of the songs. It's good though. I, I liked it. I thought it was it fit perfectly. I almost feel like if you like any kind of metal, unless you like only the most extreme, and that's all you like, I think this album is a home run. I mean, it covers the basis of styles of subgenres seamlessly to me, where it just sounds like great heavy metal. I then listened a little bit more and was like, oh, I hear this and that. But it's not completely fair to just make it all about sounds a little bit like Mastodon, sounds a little bit like this, sounds a bit a little bit like that. It sounds like Earn. Yeah, that was the question I kept coming back to. Like, is this just amalgamation of different genres or is this its own unique thing? I don't know if I got quite as far or if I would go that far yet, personally. Listen to their uh, EP, Mountain of Gold, which also mm-hmm. has... The, all the elements there as well, but this is um, well more well-rounded. Mm. I, I think they're on to something. Oh, yeah, me too. I would definitely am curious to see what they do next. And I'm surprised this hasn't gotten more buzz on the internet yet. I expect that will change. I do too. I think the right outlets, like the Album Nerds podcast, no, uh, other outlets <laughs> that have, <laughs> you know, like your Banger TV and other stuff on YouTube, if they, if, if they start talking about this, I think it will... It will inevitably grow. I mean, it is incredibly high quality. Yeah, it is. It sounds good. The production is great. You can really pick up all the different instruments. And the couple, the few tracks on here, there's that memorial, like the kind of in the middle of the record there. It's like an uh eight-minute instrumental track. It's really good. (laughs) I hate instrumental tracks, but I love that one. Like, it starts off and I'm like, and I kept, I was waiting for the, you know, how I do with instrumentals. I'm waiting for the lyrics. Right. So, it's kick, 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 you know, really chugging along at the beginning, and it vocals never kicked in, but the these like different styles all flow in and out, mm-hmm. and then the song's over. I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't need lyrics after all because that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive to do that, and they do it a couple times on here where they really just kind of let things fade away and and really just focus on the guitars and the rhythm, and it works. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy percussion. You really can, especially with headphones on, you can really feel those drums yeah that uh, bass drum is kicking like on uh the closer tomb so frail mm-hmm. it has this acoustic folky sort of thing going on and then it just kicks in. pummels you yeah you know and and that's what that's what they do and i think that's the serpent mm. and the spirit like there's this dark and light throughout all the songs where there's these incredibly heavy moments and these very heartfelt soft moments and and it's just uh it was an incredible listening experience. I, I can't recommend it more. It's it's one of my favorite metal records that I've heard in a long, long, long time. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a cool pick. I'm glad you found it. And I I can't imagine this will be under the radar for much longer. But. It shouldn't be. It, it would be a crime. Uh, it'll, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it again in December. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah it's very likely. Uh, so go check out Urn, Serpent, and Spirit. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Next place. All right, go check it out. Andy, what you got? Okay. All right, so you ever heard of the Black Keys before, man? Yes, of course. I've heard of the Black Keys. I think everybody, and Uh, even if people haven't, they've heard it in Toyota commercials or whatever, you know? Yeah, you've heard some of their songs over the last, what, 15, 20 years. All right, so they put out a record in May entitled Delta Cream. 
and it is a series of cover songs from Hill Country Blues, which is a subgenre of kind of the Delta Blues and came out of Mississippi. This is their 10th studio album. We are going to play a cut from the beginning of the record. This is a bit of Poor Boy, A Long Way From Home. So this was a record that I believe was recorded during the pandemic, done in just a two-day span over about 10 hours. They had no real rehearsals. They were kind of just playing some some versions of songs they loved from this kind of subgenre of the blues. Right. <laughs> That's evil. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Uh, I don't know. It just felt right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I you know... I don't love cover albums myself. How do you feel about them in general? Is that do you I, look forward to that, or is it kind of like, oh, whatever? It's just it depends. I have I avoid them for the show. Typically, there's some that have come up that I've wanted to talk about, and we did. We talked about the Rolling Stones blues years That's ago, right. yeah, which was a similar concept. Um, Truth. Honestly, in this particular case, I prefer this to their actual music right the stuff they've been putting out lately yeah uh and it's obviously there's more band here than just the two of them it sounds much fuller much more interesting sonically and dan auerbach Mm -hmm. is that his name yeah vocalist sounds way cooler this way yeah I prefer, I mean, well, part of it is uh, on many of the tracks, it sounds like not as good as, but uh, like J.B. Cannon from The Rival Sons. I'd love to hear The Rival Sons do some of these the songs. Blues cover album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be interesting. I think there's something about the blues in particular that works well with covers, maybe because it's almost like blues tradition where people just kind of pass these songs around and everybody has their mm-hmm. own like version of it, which is why I think this is it a worthwhile record to talk about or listen to is because it can kind of work as like a route into some of these uh-huh. subgenres of the blues that I think are worth exploring. That's kind of what I've been doing the last month or two since the records come out. Yeah. It's like Delta it's a, blues. So good. I love Delta blues. Yeah. That's an awesome genre with a lot mm-hmm. of really cool artists that probably aren't as well known as they should be. Love that bottleneck slide guitar stuff yeah That's some of my favorite and blues music yeah they do a really nice job of it here um the record as a whole i would say is a little inconsistent in terms of the pacing and a lot of tracks it could have been a ton shorter yeah it comes in it's 12 tracks it's about about an hour long some of the tracks i think just carry on way too long the opening cut there calling king snake which is a pretty popular blues standard it's credited to a guy we're going to talk about later on the show, uh, John Lee Hooker, but they're actually covering a version <laughs> of the cover by, by an artist named was Junior Kimborough, who's actually featured on the record quite a bit. A lot of his songs come up here. So it's like a cover of a cover, and it's just really thick and slow, and it's just like dripping with like that 
humidity of the deep south you know you can feel it on these songs and it's kind of nice but it also gets a little bit boring after a six minute runtime i think yeah i mean blues records in general are tend to be shorter i mean because especially in the period that they were most popular and coming out were two-sided vinyls so we're talking 30 40 minutes Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part so yeah i thought this went on a little long i mean it's totally enjoyable and pleasant to listen to but to your point it does kind of make you go well either you love the black keys and you're just like a word up or you go "Mm, maybe i should go listen to some blues which is kind of what it did for me which maybe is the point so the question i was struggling with and i read a bit online was is this like genuine blues or is this kind of just like poser white boy blues you know these guys are from ohio do they really know anything about delta blues i guess what do you what do you think man i think it's a tribute to a genre that these guys enjoy and like playing but no they're not bluesmen they're you know blues rock guys so obviously the blues has influenced their their music and I think they probably had fun making this, and it's pleasant to listen to, but it is not, in my opinion, the blues. Yeah, it might not be the authentic article, but it's a reproduction. So I'm glad they put it out. I think it's a, you know, it's not a A plus record, but I think it's worth listening to if you are curious about the blues, as I am. It's a good place to jump in. So once again, the album is Delta Cream. It's got a really cool photo on the album cover there. I like it a lot. Um, by the Black Keys, came out in May of this year. Uh, give it a listen. Old Dogs. All right, it's Old Dogs time. I picked an album from 1983, Huey Lewis and the News. They're more like puppies than dogs, but I still enjoy it very much. The album is sports. We're going to listen to a track, Want a New Drug. So that was Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis in the News from the 1983 album Sports. Sports. Man, man, was that a huge record. Uh, uh, Huey Lewis in the News, American rock band based in San Francisco, California. Had a ton of hit songs, uh, the 80s and 90s. This was their third album, and uh, it reached number one on Billboard charts. And went seven times platinum. Wow. And this was during that period where the kind of blue-eyed soul, working man, bar band sort of sound was really clicking. It was just such a huge, fun album. Pop music, not the deepest well, but the songs are relatable. They're fun. And people all know them. The Hard Rock and Roll is probably the biggest song off of it. I want a new drug. What'd you think of that song? It was okay. I kind of reminded me of Prince a little bit. Was <laughs> this general vibe here, like you know that early '80s Prince sound? Uh, did it? Did it remind you of this? 
<laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, all this this whole time of music reminds me of of that kind of cheese. Ghostbusters got sued because uh, they they stole "I Want a New Drug," like the melody from. Oh, really? So there, there was a, there was a settlement. <laughs> uh, that is funny. I mean, I liked that song so much at the time. It was. I it was basically your this woman makes me feel so great. Mm-hmm. I don't have her anymore. Getting drunk, doing drugs, nothing gives me the high that being with her gave me. You know, I thought, yeah, it's a message, but it, yeah, it was one of the more clever lyrical songs on on the album, I think. And yeah. yeah, I know people don't take it super seriously, and I'm sure you probably had never listened to it before as a whole what was your feeling yeah first time listening to the whole record heard quite a few of the singles before i mean it fits the time period i guess it's like super 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 clean production you know that big heavy synth sound and the big catchy choruses mm-hmm. it's like you know it's it's like candy sort of i guess it's like but that's- it's like mm, it tastes good but then you kind of leave with like an empty stomach at the end it's pop music and and i think the great part it's not like i was into huey lewis in the news hardcore throughout my life i loved these albums this one for small world i bought those tapes and then i moved on right through the 90s and 2000s and stuff but what's great about record collecting is you mm-hmm. come across this stuff that you loved as a kid and now when you're an adult you're allowed to love it just for the sake of loving it, it doesn't have to be like, <laughs> oh, well, here Huey was talking about the darker side of life. Like, it doesn't have to, it could just be fun pop music that you love. Yeah. That's what this is. This is not have a revelation about life, but yeah. it's go have some effing fun, right? Yeah. And you listen to this, you can't help but bop along regardless. You know some of the songs, Heart and Soul. Mm-hmm. This is it. If This Is It, which is a great song. Yeah, I like that one. And, uh, you know, the whole album, there's there's only a handful of tracks. And Honky Tonk Blues, a cover of Hank Williams. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely enjoyable. I think it just, you know, it's like a 38-minute record, and I was yeah. kind of felt oversaturated by the end of it. But I think in small bites, I would definitely would never turn a lot of these songs off on the radio. I just don't know if I would come back to it. I'm a little curious to dig into four because I hear that's like equally as good. I don't think it's as good, um, but it does have like Stuck With You is a good song. Small World is the one that you should check out. Okay. It had more like blues and jazz type stuff in it. Uh, Tower of Power appears on it. Bruce Hornsby is on it. Stan Getz does saxophone on a couple of tracks. Okay, cool. And it wasn't the biggest. It was kind of in 88. It was kind of out on their way down. But it's his favorite album. Uh, I learned a lot about Huey Lewis and and the news and Huey himself, how he traveled to Europe, playing harmonica, busking, you know, getting Mm -hmm. people to give him change. And Mm -hmm. really fascinating stuff on the Questlove podcast. They do like an hour and a half interview with with him, with Huey Lewis, and he talks about sports and four and all the albums. But let's get back to sports. We're going to check out a track that I really have fun listening to. It's 
pretty cool. It's called Bad is Bad. Alright, so that was Bad is Bad, and I think we talk a little bit too much about Huey and forget about the news. Great harmonies, and the band is awesome. I mean, so many sounds, saxophone, and... Yeah. Yeah. They're out of it. Sure. Self-produced, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. That's sad. I mean, it sounds pristine. And Bad is Bad, kind of the bluesiest thing on here, right? Yeah. And I always kind of enjoyed the double meaning thing there, you know, like... Bad is cool. You know, that was thrown around a lot back then. But sometimes bad is just bad. Sometimes bad is bad, and sometimes bad is bad. Kind of like what he did there, uh, talking about seeing his cousin play guitar, and it's just bad. It's not bad. So anyway, yeah, I always dug that one. And uh, love the harmonica stuff that Huey Lewis does. Incredible musicianship, for sure. And I've seen live shows of theirs on YouTube and stuff, and there is tight live as they were in the studio and it's uh just fun these these like elevated bar bands it's so cool and people have so much fun listening to it and that's part of why i wanted to bring it up just go have some fun you know go listen to some huey lewis yeah it is it is fun um that's pretty amazing they actually made it out of the bar scene and kind of made it big like you don't hear about that too often so good for them amen all right so that was huey lewis in the news sports if you love the 80s and you love Marty McFly because he was a big fan of Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> Along with uh, by, Patrick Bateman. Don't forget him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Patrick Bateman from uh, American Psycho loves loves him as well. Uh, I, I, I did want to mention that little clip I played earlier with the guy saying that's just too darn loud. That was Huey Lewis from Back to the Future. When, oh, uh, Mar- he's in Back to the Future? Yeah, Marty's band is auditioning, and they're playing Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. And he's like, fellas, fellas, that's just too darn loud. And he's, you know, <laughs> dressed in a nerd suit and whatever. So That's funny. Huey Lewis in the news, go check him out. Andy, what you got? <laughs> All right, so we're talking about a blues record from John Lee Hooker. Uh, entitled, That's My Story. This came out in... April of 1960. It's his fourth studio album ish. Um, the man put out well over 50 records in his career. We are going to play a cut towards the beginning of the record. This is going to use my rod. You don't believe in keep on doing the thing you do. Mm-hmm. Next time I tell you I'm gonna use my run I'm gonna use my run Oh yeah I'm gonna use my run Alright, so let's hit again use my rod off of That's My Story by John Lee Hooker. So quick quick little history on John Lee if you're not aware of his Start. He was born in Tutwiler, Mississippi, 
supposedly ran away from home at the age of 14 and kind of uh, played in a bunch of blues clubs in the South and eventually worked his way up to Detroit, Michigan. Took a job at Ford Motor Company, which is kind of when he started his break into the music scene in that area. He's known for his Delta Blues style. Um, often kept rhythm or added percussion with like his foot stomp. You hear that in a lot of his early records. It's like this banging on the ground that's happening as he's playing guitar and singing. Uh, this record in particular is interesting because it was released on a jazz label, uh, Riverside Records. So they kind of added in a jazz bassist and drummer here, Sam Jones and Lewis Hayes, who um, were well-known jazz musicians at the time. Um, and the album really focused on kind of his raw, stripped-down style, just with a little bit of accompaniment here uh, from those musicians. So, buddy, had you... I know we talked about John Lee, I think, at some point on the show, maybe a few years ago. Yeah, um, that's when when I was doing... Uh, we were doing our series where we were trying to learn about different genres. Blues was one of mine and, and right. came up. Thanks, man. I mean, I've been I've been wanting to bring a blues album to the show for a while. This is a great one. The only problem I have with it being on this particular episode is it really puts a spotlight on how much more real this is than what was delivered by the Black Keys. <laughs> you know, truth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you hear that, it's like, oh, that's that's fun. And then you hear this, and you're like, ooh, you f- you feel it in your chest, like all the songs, the, <laughs> the 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 whole point of the blues and the way the guitar is played and the style and the voice and delivery. It's so, I mean, even like his version of I Want Money, mm-hmm. it's like so much more meaning to a song everyone's heard a million times, various versions of, but it feels so much more like, I want money. It's good. Actually, like, I, need money. I need money. <laughs> you know, not just a, I want money. It's just not right, right, snappy right. fun. It's like whoa, incredible. Yeah. So I mean, um, I mean, he's coming up in the fifties is when he was getting started here. This record came out in sixty, but I believe it was recorded in fifty nine. Most musicians, especially black musicians back then in the blues genre, were not paid very well. And no. Didn't really get much from sales of the records. They were kind of paid up front at the recording process, and that was it. <laughs> That's why they recorded these songs so many times, and why he put out 50 records is because that was basically 50 paychecks for him. Um, so a lot of these songs about needing money and all these problems he's having in his life, are, I think, are you know not just blues. They're probably descriptive of what he was going through. There's a song on here called Democrat Man, which is very, oh, yeah. very strange. <laughs> it's a very political song. But he's talking about how, like, he's just waiting for a Democrat to get in office because he needs some, you know, some social programs. He needs shoes and he needs, like, <laughs> a new shirt and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it feels very authentic and, and lived in. And I guess I was also really struck by how, like, efficient this music is. There's not a lot of, you hear the Black Keys record, which is just, like, distortion oh, and it's the yeah. full band and everything's, like, drawn out and... There's a lot going on from like a production standpoint. It's the exact opposite of that's my story. It's super stripped down. Even the additional jazz instrumentation stuff is still seasoning. It's not the whole thing, yeah. you know, which I 
those flourishes, I was like, ooh, that's a little more than you normally get from from this kind of album, and it, and it fit nice. It, it was interspersed. It wasn't overbearing, and it didn't take away from from what it is at its core, which is a blues record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the focus is definitely on his vocal and guitar, and I think it works really well. But there's a few performances, like especially on the track, like uh, One of These Days, where it's just like, an amazing vocal performance by John. And also, the song we're going to play next, uh, That's My Story, where he kind of recaps uh, how he got to where he's at right now. Um, why don't we play a little bit of that cut right now? That's my story, that's my story. That's my story of my life. That's my story. That's my story. Mm. I had a hard time. Mm. Yeah, it gets to lots of mm. soulful, quiet places on this record, which I think work really well, especially with headphones. You can really feel it. You know, I, I shouldn't care so much about this, but when I hear the guitar right. in blues songs, I love that. I mean, and it, it, with... It's not just that, because I mean, I can play that da, 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 on my guitar, but I can't, those flourishes that yeah. make that that kind of uh, standard sort of sound so interesting in these songs, and you hear it a couple times throughout the album and in many blues songs, but I love when I hear that familiar thing, but each artist does it differently, and that's always cool. Yeah, he when he does that, and, and a few other things on the record too. He kind of adds in like a little vocal, like hum almost along with it, where he's like kind of uh-huh. playing like the counter with his voice. It's yep. really, yeah, it works really well. Yeah, he seems to know just the right point to kind of sprinkle in a little, little touch of something with mm-hmm. the guitar or just a little something extra with his voice. Uh, there's a lot being said that isn't like vocalized. There's a lot of humming and uh, just kind mm-hmm. of a, just a little extra expression in the mix there. Get some of that that gospel and soul feel in there that's that's it works really well so once again the record is that's my story by john lee hooker came out in 1960 it's a really good period for his music there's a few other records from the early 60s that i would definitely uh, recommend if you're digging into his catalog awesome thanks man it was a pleasure to listen to so why don't you tell us what you think about these records and what you're listening to by emailing us at podcast at albumnerds.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 585-210-2454. Word up. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to do the show a solid, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll have this show up on our website. You can stream along with the songs there as well that we featured on the episode. If you'd like to support the show further, this is a independent podcast, so uh, we could use a little financial support to help pay costs. You can do a PayPal donation, albumnerds.com slash support. We'd really appreciate it. So we'll be back next time with more album recommendations for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Album Nerds Podcast. See you. See you later.